I had uh, <laughs> talked to Sharon. I had been praying. I know she was going through a lot of her physical stuff, and and then I knew you were going through some things, and it was like I just felt impressed. The Lord was telling me to get ready to prepare something, and I was like, okay, what is it? And so he he wanted me to teach on faith, and what I thought was funny was I had gotten this like two months ago, and then Barry gets up and goes, oh, I'm doing a preaching series on faith. I said, what are you doing? That's, that's what God gave me, <laughs> you know, and I'm like, they're going to hear the same thing. And I'm like, where are you teaching out of? And he's told me, I'm like, oh, okay, that's fine. <laughs> I'm teaching out of something totally different. So this is good. We'll just compliment one another, you know. So God obviously is wanting us to know more about faith and how to activate it in our lives. And so that's what we're going to be talking about today. And um, I'm going to be talking about the Canaanites' uh, faith, the woman. And this story is actually found in Matthew Chapter 15, verses 21 and 28. And in Matthew, he addresses her as the Canaanite woman. But in Mark, chapter 7, verses 24 through 30, he actually uh, describes her as being a, I had to write this out, Syrophoenician woman. Okay, and so that means she was Greek and she was non-Jewish. So... Both stories, and that's what we find out throughout Scripture, is the stories, that's why we're, when we're going through the chronology. Uh-huh. What was the first word he said before Matthew? Can- Matthew. Uh, yeah, Phoenician and uh, Canaanite woman. Zero? I don't understand. How do you spell it? Zero. Uh, zero is C, or I'm sorry, S-Y-R-O-P-H-O-E-N-I-C-I. A-N. And so I had to go in and say, how do you say this? And so this is how they described it. So it's Syrophoenician. So um, Matthew 15, verses 21 through 28. Thank you. Thank you. No, no problem. No problem. Hi. So I kind of want to lead up to this story because there's a lot of things that happened right before this that kind of leads into the conclusion of this. And that is found in Matthew 14, and that's where Jesus was feeding the 4,000, and he also was feeding the 5,000. And then right before that, too, that's when Peter walked on the water. And that's when they crossed over and they landed in Gennesaret, and I ended up forgetting my maps at home. I told myself last night, make sure you get the maps, and then I forgot them. So anyway, that's okay. Um, But it says, when Jesus arrived, men recognized Jesus, and they sent word to all the surrounding community. And so people brought their sick to him, and all who were brought to him were healed. And I always like to emphasize that all. There was not one that was brought to him that was not healed. And so his focus and his mission at that time had almost been exclusively to the Jewish community. But there was only a few exceptions, and that's what we're going to be talking about today because there was a lot of conflict and hostility from the Jewish leaders, and that began to escalate, and so which was one of the reasons why Jesus retreated to the uh, island of Tyre and Sidon. Okay, so reading in Matthew 15, the Pharisees and teachers of the law came to Jesus from Jerusalem 
and ask him why his disciples break the tradition of the elders. They don't wash their hands before they eat. And so they accused him of breaking their tradition, of course. And Jesus' rebuttal is found in verse 3, and it says, And why do you break the command of God for the sake of your tradition? For God said, Honor your father and your mother, and anyone who curses their father or mother is to be put to death. But you say that if anyone declares that what might have been used to help their father or mother is, quote, devoted to God, they are not to honor their father and mother with it. Thus, you nullify the word of God for the sake of your tradition. You hypocrites. Isaiah was right when he prophesied about you. These people honor me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. They worship me in vain. Their teachings are merely human rules. So basically, Jesus is telling them, because what, what happened is they wanted to go and say, okay, well, I gave all my money to the synagogue. I gave it all to the church. So I don't have any more money to take care of my parents. I'm not obligated to do that any longer. And Jesus is like, okay, you know, what, what's better, to obey the laws of man or to obey the laws of God? You know, and they, they were constantly, you know, trying to catch Jesus in everything that he was doing and how wrong it was. So verse 10 Jesus uh, called the crowd to him, and he said, listen and understand. Of course, he says, what goes into someone's mouth does not defile them. It's what comes out of their mouth that is which defiles them. I love verse 12. It says, then disciples came to him and said, do you know that you've offended the Pharisees by what you said? And the disciples were still confused. And of course, and then he goes in to, to tell them, you know, everything that you put in your mouth goes through the stomach and then comes out of the body. And, but the things that come out of a person's mouth comes from their heart. And uh, that is what defiles them. For out of the heart come the evil thoughts, murder, adultery, immortality, theft, false testimony, and slander. That is what defiles a person. But eating with unwashed hands does not defile them. And so, again he's having this conflict with these Jewish leaders. And so this is why he withdrew to, um, from Galilee to the region of Tyre and Sidon. And I like to do the history of all that because Sidon was actually the mother city of Tyre. And these two cities are mentioned about 50 times in the Bible. And it's now located in Lebanon. And so this is still to this day considered enemy territory. Um, it's located on the coast of the Mediterranean Sea, and it's north of Israel. And so this is really the only time in the Gospels where it says that Jesus actually left the town, you know, the, the state of Israel to go into Gentile territory. And so it said it, upon entering the promised land, because this kind of tells you about all this, uh, the Israelites were told they, they were to exterminate, remember, all the ites <clears throat> and their native peoples. It said, you must destroy them and make no treaty with them and show them no mercy. That's found in Deuteronomy 7, 1 through 2. And when they failed to do this, they became thorns in their sides. And their gods became a snare to you. And that's found in Judges 2, 3. And so this land was actually assigned to the tribe of Asher. And so, however, they disobeyed God because when they went, they thought that this was a fortified city and they couldn't go in. And so because of that, 
still to this day, there's that conflict because they disobeyed God. So this uh, is reinforcing the social barriers between the Jewish people and the non-Jewish people. And so Gesenaret to Tyre was 35 miles and to Sidon it was 50 miles. That's just one way. So we know that Jesus traveled about a 12 to 17 hour walk. So that was was a full day, (laughs) you know. So anyway, and the other thing too is Jezebel. She was the most wicked queen, you know, in the history of Israel. She was actually the princess of Sidon. And we know that she married King Ahab. And also back before that, um, the king of Tyre was the one who sent the cedar logs to Solomon to help build the temple. So that kind of gives you a little bit of, it's like, oh, this is why these two cities are kind of important. So let's start reading at Matthew 15, 21 through 28, and we'll start getting into our story. It says, leaving that place, Jesus withdrew to the region of Tyre and Sidon. A Canaanite woman from that vicinity came to him crying out, Lord, son of David, have mercy on me. My daughter is demon-possessed and suffering terribly. So let's talk about who this woman is. Um, She is unnamed, only to be referred to as the Canaanite woman. And because of where she comes from, uh, Jewish people often... uh, referred to the Gentiles as dogs. They just, just the lowest kind of compliment, you know, that they could have for them if even it was a compliment. So they were always an enemy of the Jews because of their idol worship. So she's from a land where they worshipped Baal. They often sacrificed uh, their babies and children to Baal. And she probably doesn't know anything about the Jewish traditions because of where she was raised and what she was raised in. But even in this territory, everything about what Jesus had been doing is getting sent out. His reputation, what he's doing as far as his healings, uh, healing the sick, casting out demons. So the word is getting out. And so we know that this woman probably had everything going against her. Number one, she's a woman. In society, they didn't even have a voice. And so even her getting close to Jesus at this point and having him even acknowledge her in any way is probably going to seem nearly impossible. But she sees this crowd and she knows that Jesus is there. And so she begins crying out, Lord, son of David, have mercy on me. My daughter is demon-possessed and suffering terribly. But notice how she addressed Jesus. She yells, Lord, son of David. This is his messianic title. So she was aware of who Jesus was, and she addressed him with respect. People that were enemies or non-Jewish, they often referred to Jesus as rabbi or teacher. So notice how she addressed him. Uh, The second thing is that she was crying out for mercy. She knew who she was. She knew she was unworthy. She knew she wasn't Jewish. She knew that, you know, this is not something that Jesus would normally do for me because I'm on the out, I'm an outsider. But because she's a mother, she is crying out in desperation for her daughter who is suffering. We don't know how long she had been walking. We don't know how large the crowd was. But she was yelling to be heard. So I am imagining there was quite a bit of a crowd if she was yelling 
for this to be heard. And this also reminded me of the other story about the other woman who was pushing through the crowds to touch the hem of Jesus' garment. It's like, oh, it's kind of interesting. But we're learning a little bit more about who she really was. And so verse 23 says, Jesus did not answer a word. So his disciples came to him and urged him, send her away, for she keeps crying out after us. And he answered, I was sent only to the lost sheep of Israel. So she continues to cry out. She's pleading for mercy. She's crying out for compassion regarding her child. She's trying to say, God, just have mercy on me for my daughter's sake. But she received no response from Jesus. Her cries seemed ignored by him, but she didn't give up. She was not going to take the silence from Jesus as unanswered. She kept crying and she kept pressing in to get closer to him. She was not just another face in the crowd. Her need was going to be heard by Jesus. And she knew that he was the only one that could help her daughter. He was the one who had the power to do miracles. And so the disciples were getting annoyed by her continued shouts. And I'm like, what kind of disciples were they? You know, it's like I didn't see any compassion. There was no compassion in them given towards her. And so they were actually judging her for being a Canaanite woman. They were judging her for who she was. And it seems like she was being ignored and she was a nuisance. And they asked Jesus, just send her away. But she makes a bolder effort to get Jesus to notice her. Her only hope was just a few feet away and she was not going to give up. Mark 7. Now I'm going to Mark 7 because in Mark it gives a little bit more detail than it did in Matthew. So Mark 7 25 through 27 it says the woman came and knelt before him lord help me she she said so look at this she she comes and she sees him she's close enough to get in front of him and she kneels at his feet respectively and in the greek the word kneeling means pros canal which means it's an act of worship so in this term, it was, an, it was saying it was an act of worship unto Jesus. And so it was a posture of submission by her falling at his feet. That's big for a Gentile to do. And so her prayer was just three words. Lord, help me. And so Jesus looks at her and says, verse 26, He replied, it's not right to take the children's bread and toss it to the dogs. Yes, it is, Lord, she said. Even the dogs eat the crumbs that fall from their master's table. Now, many people looked at this verse, because when I first read this, even a long time ago, I kept thinking, wow, Jesus, that's he ignored her, and he's really kind of uncaring, calling her a dog. But the, the uh, Jewish people referred to the, the term as dogs, as the, the ones that are mangy, um, just hostile, not pet dogs that we know. So it was a, a more bad form of a dog, mangy, mean. Um, but Jesus actually softened it. So when he worded it and said, um, even the children's bread, it's, she's, he said, it's not right to take children's bread and toss it to the dogs. And that form of dogs 
it's a totally different word. And that one was um, meaning cunarian. So in the Greek, it was cunarian, and that means a small dog or house pet. So even in that term, he was softening it. And he probably, you know, I, I think of Jesus kind of like a little smirk on his face because he knew what she meant because she knew what that term meant, but then he changed it. <clears throat> so I thought that was really, really good. And so it says, so he's basically telling her, family sit at the table. They eat first, then everything that falls from the table, then the pets eat. You know, everybody that has pets, they always find every crumb on them. So he was trying to get her to understand who he is and why he was there, what he was meant, because he was saying, I was first sent to the lost sheep of Israel. That was his true mission first. And so, but her quick response was, she basically, she understood Jesus's meaning behind what he was saying, but guess what? She wasn't offended by it either. I think, I mean, if you look at it in our physical nature, we could be offended by a lot of things. But she was not offended. She was actually humbled. So that's a true key, too, is, is to be humble. So she understands his mission. And, but I love this part because she claims a place in the household. Because she said, even the dogs eat the crumbs that fall from their master's table. So she already claimed her position in the house. She wasn't outside the house. She goes, God, Jesus, I, I want to just be in the house, and I'll just settle for a crumb. And she's like, it's okay. It's okay. I don't have to eat the bread. But God, just Jesus, just give me that little crumb, because that's enough that I know that I can claim that for my daughter's healing. That's all I need. It's more than enough for you to heal her. And so that, that crumb was enough to defeat Satan and the possession that he had over her, just a crumb. I love that because I had never seen that before, but she put herself in the position of that house. So she acknowledged Jesus as her Lord, as her master. So the Bible says, if we believe in the Lord Jesus, you will be saved. So she believed who Jesus was, and Jesus extended grace to this mother. And we know the scripture, it says, For it is by grace that you have been saved through faith. This is not of yourselves. It is a gift of God, not by works, so that no one can boast. And that's found in Ephesians 2, 8 and 9. And then James 4, 6 says, But he gives greater grace. God opposes the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. And so we got to remember when Jesus encountered the Pharisees, um, he kept saying that these people um, honor me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. She wasn't even Jewish, but yet her heart, Jesus saw and her heart was after him. She was seeking after him with all of her being. And so um, she defied every rule. She defied every social status that was put upon her. And Jesus and the disciples were even a witness to this because this was a learning opportunity. It's the one thing I, I realized, too, throughout the whole scriptures, the disciples were learning. Because I tell you what, when Jesus was getting ready to die on the cross and go to, to be ascended, 
they were learning so much how to, how to deal with people, how to deal with the Jewish people, um, how to, to show compassion, because obviously they needed to know how to show compassion to this lady, even though she was not Jewish. And so his great commission was for them to go and make disciples of all the nations. And so this was actually letting them know the Gentiles are ready to receive the good news because this person, you could tell, you know, and, and the whole crowds around outside of Israel were beginning to hear about this Jesus and they were recognizing who he was. <clears throat> and so verse 28, it says, then Jesus said to her, woman, you have great faith. Your request is granted. And her daughter was healed at that moment. Notice something here. The woman was bold. She was a person who cared deeply. She was humble. She was full of hope. And she was persistent. And she believed in the power of Jesus. This is why Jesus said she was a woman of great faith. Jesus didn't have to go to her house. She didn't have to bring her daughter to Jesus. All she said was, Jesus, just say it, and, and he'll be healed. She'll be healed. Have mercy. <clears throat> she was going to take it however she wanted, but she did not bring her. So her faith knew that Jesus could heal her daughter wherever she was back at home. I love that. So Jesus identified only two people in his earthly ministry who he said had great faith, and it was her and the centurion. And I know my second is, I'm going to be talking about centurion. It's oh, that's going to be good too. That's one of my favorite stories in the whole Bible. is about the centurion, um, and so I'll, I'll be talking about that the next time. But um, this this map that I was going to bring and show you, I mean, it you could see where Israel. It took them way outside of Israel to go to this land, and it wasn't by accident. Nothing Jesus did was by accident. So there was a purpose that he had to go, and it was specifically for her. John ten sixteen. Jesus speaks, I have sheep that are not of the sheep pen. I must bring them also. They too will listen to my voice, and there shall be one flock and one shepherd. And so that's Jesus' whole purpose. Yes, he came for the Jews, but after his ascension... We are one. So we were ready to receive the, the good news. And I, I keep wondering how many situations do we find ourselves in? Um, it may have to do what I put with our kids. Could be finances. Could be breakthroughs in marriages. It could be our bodies. Um, I know our bodies lately have been screaming in pain. Uh, so, so many times we have to take medicine for this. We have to take medicine for that. Um, and we, we were been, we've been praying for God to heal and restore our bodies because I tell you what, the enemy has really been uh, really putting a lot of this infirmity on, on the body of Christ. I've noticed a lot of people are sick uh, or with something. And so um, I noticed here when, when people were crying, when she was crying out to Jesus, it seemed like he was silent. How many times do we feel like, We've been praying, and, and Jesus is just silent, you know. But she was persistent, and that's what I want to reinforce with you. It's like sometimes we feel like Jesus is silent, but he's not. He heard her. He didn't say a word, 
yet. But he was there. He was listening. He was still showing love. He was still showing compassion. And he knew what he needed to say to her. And, and I believe a lot of times, too, he's in communion with God. Because he always had to get away. And so I know that God was depositing a lot of stuff in him. Just like he wants to deposit all that in us as well. And so, so many times we have injustices in our lives. Uh, we feel like, you know, no matter what we're going through... Um, the enemy wants to convince us that nothing's going to change. Um, he's not, God's not hearing you. Um, you're still in the same condition. He doesn't care. Um, so many times we feel like we can't even move forward because of, we just feel like we're stuck where we're at and we keep crying out. Um, we don't know his plan. We don't know his purpose. It's like, God, I, 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 need, I need a novel. I want, you to, I want to be able to read and say, which, which is this next chapter of my life? I, I really want to know what's going to happen. We all want to know what's going to happen, right? It's, it's just something. It's like, sometimes I'm like, uh, if someone says, hey, you know, you need to watch this movie. I'm like, well, tell me the ending first. Well, no, you have to. No, I want to know the ending because that's going to determine whether or not I'm even going to watch it. So, like, at Hallmark, you know how it ends. So, it's like, okay, I know what's going to end. I'll watch it. I'll watch a show. You know, they always find love and kiss and blah, blah, blah. So, but that's me. I just want to, I, I have to know the end. Because I'm sitting here, I'm like, Barry, tell me, tell me, is, is this really? Nope, just watch. I'm like, don't do that to me. I need to know. And so, but one thing that we have to be assured of is who God is in us. And... Hebrews says that, therefore, do not cast away your confidence, which has great reward. And part of that confidence is knowing who God is in us. You know, we keep talking about our identity. We have to know who our identity is. That is true, but we have to know who Jesus is, who God is in us. That is first and foremost, too, because if we don't have a relationship with him, then we can't even see ourselves any different. You know, we can't see ourselves as a, as a child of God if we're not seeing God as our Father and who He truly is. <clears throat> Through our trials, we, we come to understand who God is in our lives. We know that He's the one that brings comfort. He's the one that brings strength. He's the one that helps us to endure what we're going through. And we know that the scripture says that he works everything out for his glory. And through all that stuff, we learn perseverance. I know that's hard because like, I don't want to persevere through anything because that means, you know, we're going to go through something. But it's like that is the trying and testing of our faith. And so he's, God's wanting us to say, are you going to stand? Because I tell you what, if something small comes and we can't stand, then what about the great things that we have to endure? And so he, want, he wants us to endure and to recognize who he is in us, and he's working in us. And so with her, she was that mama that, that knew, I have to do this for my daughter. I love her. This, this Jesus, hopefully he'll, he'll show compassion on me. But I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to voice it. I am not going to shut up. I am not going away. I am going to be persistent. And her faith in Jesus, knowing that he was going to heal her, her daughter was enough, and Jesus showed mercy to her, and she seemed like the one that was really most undeserving. How many times do we feel like we're just, I don't deserve this, but because of God and how much he loves us, 
because of Jesus, we are deserving. And so we want God to answer us instantly so many times too. It's like when we pray, we're like, God, okay, boom. You know, sometimes I wish it happened like that all the time. Sometimes it does. But most of the time, our healing and stuff, we have to walk through things. And so, and most of the time too, when we feel like he doesn't answer us quickly, uh, we feel like, well, I've lost my faith. It's not there. So, you know, if it was, I would be healed. I must not have enough faith. Um, the hope that we once had seems like it's, um, you know, it's gone. I don't have any more hope. And you're like, okay, God, how, how am I going to get my hope back? How am I going to get my faith back? And so we end up losing focus because the enemy wants us to focus on our circumstances. And, be, and we begin to take our eyes off of God and we start seeing things in the natural. Kind of what Barry has been saying too. We got we to gotta look with eyes in the supernatural realm. And I... The scripture about rising up and mounting up with wings as eagles. So many times we need to picture ourselves in our mind and go, okay, God, take me out of this realm and up into the spiritual realm so that I can see that you're working. Because so much, so many times we just have a, a, a small perspective of just seeing what's in front of us. But from God's point of view, we can see so many things. I had a I had a word over, I think it was my sister Tammy and uh, some stuff that she was going through. And, and God showed me this vivid picture of her. And I said, and I feel like you're, you know, you're walking through this field. And I said, and it's so thick, you're just struggling and you're just wanting to give up and, and just not keep going forward because you can't see the end and you don't know how long you're going to be in there. And it was like all of a sudden I was taken up and I saw if she if she she only had to go a little bit more further and she was going to be out in this beautiful pasture of flowers and it's and it's like so i told her i said hey stick to it you're almost there and i and i took she goes janice i needed to hear that because when you're in the thick of things you feel like the way out is it's not quick enough you know and, it, and it's hard to take that step but god is saying i'm going to get you through this and, it, and it's right around the corner, your victory is. <clears throat> so just know that um, every, your cries, your prayers, your feelings of him being absent, he's, he's there, he's listening. And don't allow the enemy to divert your attention, to fill you with doubt. Uh, don't let him have you sink under the weight of unbelief. Um, James 1.4 said, let perseverance finish its work so, so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. So I love that part. Let perseverance finish its work so that we may become mature and complete and lacking nothing. It's when we come to this deep place in our heart and we fall at Jesus' feet. <clears throat> we have to understand that even though we don't know how long it's going to be, we have to say, God, I am not letting you go. I am going to get the answer that I need. You're my anchor. You're the one that I have to lean on because you are my only hope. So many times when we go to the doctors, they don't know what's going on with you. 
And it's like, and nowadays it may take you a month to two months to even see your doctor. That's what I'm realizing a lot of. And it's like, God, no, you know, you're my hope. You're my anchor. I want to start focusing and calling on you first. We always pick up the phone and call the doctor first. It's like, hey, let's pick up the phone and call Dr. God and say, listen, God, I got to, I got to turn to you first. And so many times we're, we're in this earthly realm and we think, okay, I got to call the doctor. That's the first thing that comes to our mind. And we're not even thinking about going, no, I, I got to pray. I got to pray through this. I got to pray to Dr. God. He's the one that created my body. He knows more about what's going on with me than the doctors do. And so we just need to come to that place. Faith means, actually, let's go to Romans. Romans 10.10 10 tells us, and I know Sharon has, has always said this, for with the heart one believes unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. It is with our heart that we believe, and Barry said this on Sunday, faith is in our hearts. That's where the faith is. Faith is in your heart. You have to have it in your heart before you can have it in your circumstance. So it's trusting God and having peace when we don't understand. We don't have all the answers, and it's okay. But it's when we know that he's working, even though we're not seeing it, and we've sung those songs, you're working even though I'm not seeing it. We're not seeing it in the natural, but we know he's working. And faith is knowing and it's trusting in his timing. And I've talked about this over and over and over again. We've got to trust the timing of God. We can't get in a hurry. We can't speed up his process because he has to put things in place in order to make all things together good for his will. Not my will, but it's for his will. And so his purpose, his plan is what he wants, not what Janice wants for my life. I can try and plan my life, but guess what? He's going to make it more perfect. <laughs> you know, he's going to open those doors. He's going to um, uh, allow those opportunities uh, that he wants for, for my life. And so I have to trust him. So his timing, we have to trust that he's going to do the very thing that he needs to do to bring everything to existence in the natural. And that's what we're praying for. So God, it's like, okay, my body is telling me this, but God... In the natural, I'm hurting. I'm in pain. But God, I know with, if I can activate the faith that's in me, I can get past that natural and I can soar as eagle's wings and I can fly up there and I can be in the supernatural realm and I know you're taking care of everything. And I am healed because of what Jesus has already done for me. I don't have to get healed. I am healed. I heard a quote uh, once that said, um, when your eye is right, it responds to light. When your ear is right, it responds to sound. When your heart is right, it responds to God. And that response is called faith. Believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead and you will be saved. Faith is in the heart. He changed, it says, change my heart, oh God. Make me more like you. It's, that's where that faith is born. When we accepted God into our lives and said, Jesus, come into my heart, he already established everything that we needed spiritually. It's in us. 
That's the faith. He deposited that within us as well. Um, Mark eleven twenty three says, Assuredly, I say unto you, whoever says to this mountain, be removed, cast into the sea, and does not doubt in his heart, but believes that those things that he says will be done, he will have whatever he says. And in Ephesians six sixteen says that faith quenches all the fiery darts of the wicked one. Not part of them. It's every fiery dart. So faith quenches it. So we have to hide his word in our heart. That's where our faith is. And so when we are filled with the word of God, it doesn't matter what is coming our way. We know by faith, this is what God's word says. It's in me. It's flowing out of me. I am not so much focused on my natural realm as I'm focused on the spiritual realm. But God's going to bring that into existence in the natural. And we're going to be talking a little bit more about that too. But we received his spirit. His spirit is health. His spirit is prosperity. His spirit is provision. He deposited everything that we needed, every bit of that faith Uh, We need to do great exploits in his name. We have to activate it. We have to activate what's already in us. Daniel 11, 32 says that people who know their God shall be strong and carry out great exploits. So the spirit of God sets us apart from the world. We have his power in our life and we need to begin activating that in the natural realm. And I talked a little bit about being diagnosed with, with certain things and, and um, you know, with diabetes, because I'm like, it doesn't run in my family. I don't know why I have it, COVID, you know, whatever. But it was like, I finally had to sit here and, and stop and say, okay, God, you know what? Yes, I, I ended up getting COVID, but I said, you know what? I don't have to accept these symptoms. I don't have to accept the residue from all this and so I've been really praying for my my diabetes and I'll tell you what the last couple mornings I've been waking up and it's like 86 it's never 86 when I wake up and I and then I'm sitting there going well I don't know if I should take my metformin if it's 86 and I take it and then I'll drop really low and I'm sitting there going okay God I'm not going to take it my numbers say I am at 86 I'm not taking it and I said God thank you you're healing me because my numbers have always been high in the morning. You know, luckily it's between 137 and higher, depending on my supper. And it's like, no, you're going to heal me. I know you're healing me because I've been praying. You know, so I'm not, I'm not taking an unanswered prayer. As Jesus being silent to me because I'm still experiencing this. I'm going to press in. I know I'm going to grab hold of my healing. It's mine. It, it, is, it is in me. Jesus is in me. The same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead, it dwells, it lives, it abides in me. He said, we're supposed to do great exploits in his name. That means we have to have the power, and we have to believe that we have the power to do it. So, amen. So, 1 Peter 2.24 says that he carried all of our sin in his body on the cross so that we would be dead to sin and live for righteousness. Our instant healing flowed from his wounds. Psalms 107.20 says that he sent his word and he healed you. So the fact is, yes, there's pain in my body. Things must not be working right within the cell realm of, you know, because of the blood sugar, things like that. 
But you know what? I know Jesus is going to heal that. So I began praying specifically, God, heal my cells. Let them take the sugar how they're supposed to. So I started praying specifics. So if you're going through something, ask God. Say, God, what can I pray specifically for myself? And I'm not saying that you have to have something specifically in order to get healed. But sometimes we have to, that's how we believe and say, okay, I'm going to believe that that cell is operating how it should be. you got to start somewhere. And so I always like the specifics of things. That's just me. So... Um, Isaiah 53, 4 says that Jesus carried that, that very pain on the cross so that we wouldn't have to. And I, I remember back, I used to pray, um, God, increase my faith. You know, give me more faith. I need more faith, obviously, so that I can have this healing demonstrated in my body. It isn't that we don't have enough faith. We already have the measure of faith. And Sharon, we've talked about having that measure of faith that we've already been given. We just have to believe and we have to ignore the lies of the enemy that says we don't have enough. He's the one that's saying that we don't have enough. We already have the faith. Jesus already deposited inside of us. Just like that uh, Canaanite woman, she goes, just a crumb. I just need a crumb. That's all I need. So we have to recognize the voice of the enemy because he wants to, to bring unbelief. He wants to bring fear. And again, I have been put through the testing this week. And I told Sharon, I said, guess what I'm preaching on? I'm preaching on faith. <laughs> of course I am. <laughs> what do I have to walk through this? It's, and we've, we've said this most of, most of the time when we're teaching. We have to walk through it. And so I was kind of getting mad at myself and well, and the enemy was using it. It's like, yeah, where's your faith? You're going to preach on faith. Where's your faith? You're having all these problems. I'm telling you what, the enemy was just bombarding my thoughts. And I was just like, okay, I rec first of all, I recognize that it's the enemy. And I said, enough. I'm not listening to you. <laughs> you know. And, and so we do have to make sure in our minds we recognize the voice of the enemy and the voice of God. Because I tell you what, if there's any condemnation or anything negative, it is not coming from God. It's not coming from him. And so immediately recognize it and don't accept it. It's kind of like, you know, your kids, you're like talking to them and they're ignoring you. You know, it drives you nuts. That's what we need to do with the enemy. Drive him nuts. Don't even listen to him. It's like he's talking, but it's like, I don't, I see your mouth moving, but I don't hear a word that you're saying. <clears throat> and so we need to get to that point. And so uh, I don't know if many of you know, but I had I had been battling this sickness uh, since we got off the cruise, of course, bronchitis and everything else. And I had had this cough for over a month. And I, you know, my kids are finally telling me, Mother, do what you tell us to do and go to the doctor. And so I'm like, fine, I'll go to the doctor. Well, I went and it was like an hour and 45 minute wait. And I'm like, I don't have time for this. So I, I, after I checked in, I said, I'm going home. She goes, are you sure? I said, yeah, I'm going home. I'll be fine. And she's like, okay. So I went home and didn't go back. And then all of a sudden I started getting these, I call them ice pick headaches. Because it's like someone takes an ice pick and just stabs you in the head and then lifts it. And I would have it for about three seconds. And I was like, and it would just be at nighttime. So about 9 o'clock at night, all of a sudden, no matter what I was doing, I would cough, 
I would sneeze, I would take a drink, I would get a headache, anything that I did. And I kept thinking, and it was like, oh, it was like, oh, I couldn't move, and then finally it would go away. And I was like, okay. But, I, but it kept occurring about every 13 minutes. And then it got to the point where I started, <laughs> so it was 9 o'clock, then 9.13, and then so then I did the 13 minutes from that as this, and I just, because every time I had a pain, I wrote down what I was doing, watching TV, doing a puzzle, taking a drink. And so this next time I knew it was going to come on. <laughs> Look at me. It's going to, and I'm sitting here with my watch going, okay, I got one more minute. So I was preparing myself for this pain. And then sure enough, I would go, oh, yep, there it is, there it is, there it is. And then, then it would go away. And Barry actually came up and saw me. Uh, he's like, man, Janice. I said, trust me, I know. There's something going on with my body. I don't know what it is. And he's like, well, here, take some. I had 800 milligrams of ibuprofen. He's like, take this and hydrocodone from my tooth that we have leftover medicine that you're supposed to always take and not leave any. But hey, you got to save some of that stuff sometimes. Right? We all do it. Save a little antibiotic for the next time, you know, things like that. And so, and so he gave that to me. And, uh, but one night, it was all night long, and that's when I got on Facebook. I said, please pray for me. Because I, it was, I couldn't sleep from the midnight until, like, f I think it was 4 a.m. I was having the worst. I couldn't sleep, couldn't do anything. And I, I just kept praying. I'm like, as soon as it would hit me, I'd say, Jesus. I just keep saying, Jesus. Jesus and began praying going okay I don't know what this is and I'm like I know this is not normal this is not normal for a body my body's telling me something's wrong and um, so yeah so I ended up going to prompt care that next day and of course she's like man your sinuses you're really red and inflamed up there and and it was a nurse and she didn't really understand she goes well I think it's probably a migraine and I said do migraines last three seconds she goes Oh, well, probably not then. Okay. You know, because I'm like, it comes and it goes. It's like, I'm perfectly normal. And I said, and I'm fine during the day. I can talk to you, my neurological things, I'm fine. Happens at night, every nine o'clock, by the money. I'm like, is this an attack of the enemy? So I've been, I was weighing so much with my body going, what is going on? I was coming against the enemy. I know it's the enemy. I'm preparing this lesson. I'm talking about faith and you know, I bind you, Satan, in the name of Jesus. Get out of my house. Get out of my body. And, I mean, I was proclaiming and declaring and casting my, him out of me and doing all this stuff because it's like I wanted relief. And so, and it was last night, I think, was my, before I went to bed, I had gone to my mom's, and I just was like, okay, I went home, and I was like, because I told her I had to take something back, and I said, well, I have to hurry up and get home before 9 o'clock. And it was like, I think, 8, or maybe 7.30. And I said, I have to hurry up and get home. I don't want to be driving when this hits me because, you know, I don't want to have an accident because it's debil debilitating. I had to close my eyes and just kind of, and I'm like, I, I've got to make sure I get home by 9. <laughs> and so as soon as I got home, I was just like, why did you say that? Why did you say that? And I'm like, okay, God. And it was like one of those moments I said, God, okay, you and me have to get together here. And I had to have a God moment. And I said, okay. I said, first of all, fear overtook me. It was fear. I knew at 9 o'clock 
I would have these pains and it was just fear gripped and and I've been sleeping in a chair because Barry goes well why don't you sleep sitting up I'm like oh yeah that might be a good idea and I still got them but anyway I slept a little bit longer and even last night I'm, I'm like I, I prayed and I, it was one of those things where I said okay God I, I got alone with him I said all right you know what's happening to my body whether it's a sinus infection whether it's something neurological I don't even care anymore but I said, I need you to heal me from this. I said, God, I do not want to have to go through another night of sleeplessness and this pain that's in my head. And I said, God, I know you've given me the faith. It's already in me. And then all of a sudden, I w when I was praying, I saw Jesus on the cross. And the moment they stuck that thorns on his head, it was like all of a sudden I'm like, yeah. That's what it felt like. That stabbing pain in my head. It was like I saw the crown of thorns. And, and it was like Jesus said, I've already taken that for you. And I was, it was like the crown of thorns and that picture, that image. It was like, yes. The stabbing pain that he felt in his head is exactly what I'm feeling. And I said, Jesus, you already bore that on the cross for me. And I said, I am healed and I said God thank you for taking this fear away I said I cast it aside I am not afraid I said I am gonna sleep and this is not gonna affect me tonight I said I by faith see myself healed I saw myself take that on the cross with Jesus and I said I am walking and healing tonight and so I went ahead and slept in my chair but I laid it back more and it was like all of a sudden, I ended up falling asleep. I think it was about 8, probably 8.30. I usually never fall asleep that early, but I took, took a Benadryl because the doctor said, take a Benadryl so you can sleep. I was like, okay. So anyway, so I took a Benadryl, and I am like gone. And all of a sudden, I woke up in the middle of the night, and it was like 11 o'clock. And I looked at my clock. I'm like, it's 11 o'clock. And I just smiled and went right back to sleep because it was like 9 o'clock passed, and I didn't feel nothing. And I just lay there and went, thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus, for my healing. Thank you. Thank you. I have no pain tonight because of you and what you did for me on the cross. I can have a good night's sleep. And I'll tell you what, I didn't have any pain all night long. None. So praise God for that. Because it was like I was sitting here going, but I did. I had, to, I had to get myself out of this situation in the physical. And I said, okay, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. My mind is so focused on everything else and the pain and what is this and go on WebMD and oh Lord Jesus, don't go to WebMD. You know, it could be this, 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 this. And it was like fear grips you. And I'll tell you what, you can't have faith and fear at the same time. When you have fear, it cancels out your faith because then you start doubting and you're unbelieving. It's like, no, God, take that unbelief, take that fear away from me. I don't want to function in that. My function is functioning in how you are, how I see you and you in me. And that is, I am, a, I am a believer. I am your daughter. I have been adopted. I have the seal of healed written across my forehead. I am healed in him. And so I just, I had to get to that posture. I did, just like she fell at Jesus' feet. I had to fall at his feet and say, okay, Jesus, 
You've already done this for me. And I had to get my mind so focused on what he's already done. Then it began to manifest yesterday night because I got all the fear out. And so the posture of receiving, we have to get to that place where, God, I, I'm going to receive this from you. It's already a gift. Faith is a gift. Healing is a gift. We have to activate it in our lives and we have to receive it. So we have to push through the things of the world, push through the mindset that the enemy wants to cause all this doubt, distractions, um, and, and just cast it aside. And we have to get to the point where we bring our need so before Jesus. It doesn't have to even be a long prayer. Jesus, help me. Three words. That's all she said. That's all he needed to hear. And her faith and his love and mercy, he healed her daughter. And he loves us that much. And he will heal us. And he'll meet us where we're at. Um, of course, Deb, <laughs> we can all, we always get songs, her and I. So when I was doing this, um, reminding ourselves, you know, that Jesus is the author. He's the finisher of our faith. And so I started uh, thinking about the old hymn, Turn Your Eyes Upon Jesus. Look full in his wonderful face. And the things of earth will grow strangely dim in the light of his glory and grace. So the things that the enemy wants us to keep our focus on on this earth, everything wrong that's going around us, we have to be spiritually minded. Let the things of the earth grow dim so we can have the spirit of God say, this is what I have for you. This is the anointing of God. This is the wellness of God that I have for you. It's on you. Jesus said a Canaanite woman had great faith. I want him to look at me and say, Janice, you have great faith. I think each of us would love to have him look down and say, wow, that Barb, she's got great faith. Sharon, Geraldine, Deb, she's got great faith. That's what I want. That's what we have. We just have to activate that. So she identified who Jesus is, and she humbled herself. She was bowing in worship, and she was persistent in her prayer. She believed that just a crumb from Jesus was enough to bring healing to her daughter. Um, I was going to read, I've got two long scriptures. Um, we got a little bit of time, maybe, I don't know. Okay. Yeah, go ahead. Uh, when Janice was telling her story about the jab in her head, I got, a, I, I got to thinking about two different things that I know that God has revealed to me that I feel like is very important. One is uh, <clears throat> when we are going through one of these fiery trials, there's a difference between standing. Mm -hmm. You know, the Bible says in Ephesians, having done all, stand, mm -hmm. and giving in. Mm -hmm. And so she had to distinguish when she was standing in faith, and she had to distinguish when she was giving in. Mm -hmm. And as she gave that story, you could tell exactly mm -hmm. where she was in it. Mm -hmm. There were those times that she was standing. She knew she was standing and believing and activating the faith that God has already given her. 
And then there were those times mm -hmm. that she was giving in. Mm -hmm. When we get to the place where we can see the difference between those two, then it's going to be easier to stand mm -hmm. like you did. And I, I just thought that's, that no. was really a very good story that you gave. Yeah. And then another thing that I was thinking about when she was talking about perseverance, sometimes we think about perseverance as being an active word mm -hmm. where we're acting in mm -hmm. that perseverance. A synonymous word to perseverance is patience. Yeah. And so patience is not where you have to be doing something <laughs> right. all the time. It's rest. Patience is knowing the mm -hmm. outcome. Resting. Like Jenna mm -hmm. said, and standing patiently waiting mm -hmm. for that answer to come. Mm -hmm. And so that was something that I had been learning in my fiery trial, and mm -hmm. I'm not going to go into my fiery trial. <laughs> but I literally was pulled through a knot full and feel like I'm on the other side of it now. Mm -hmm. But boy, when I got to the point where I was in that knot hole, I had to ask myself a lot of questions. Self-talk is so important, mm -hmm. and she did a lot of it. Did you hear her in there talking to herself, saying, mm -hmm. is this faith? Or mm -hmm. you know, she just would talk to herself. Yep. We need to do that sometimes to realize just where we are in a situation. So we know if we're operating in that faith God's given us, mm -hmm. or whether we're trying to make something happen. Right. A lot of times we'll just quote words. Right. I know I know I've done that before where I've been in a situation and I just quote words thinking, Okay, God, your word says, your word says, mm -hmm. your word says and it's no more in my heart mm -hmm. <laughs> than anything. Do you think God's gonna honor that? No, he's waiting for me to get to that place where I'm saying, God, she got desperate. Mm -hmm. We finally get to a place where we're desperate. That's when we really get humble before God. Mm -hmm. And we realize, wait a minute, we have mm -hmm. nothing. <laughs> mm -hmm. It's all Him. It's nothing that we do, right. nothing we can earn, right. nothing. So I just thought those stories were good. Right? No, that's good. Um, I'll, I'm going to just close with two scriptures. Um, and I can't believe I didn't write where this was at. Oh, yeah, Ephesians 1. And we had talked about, we're like, man, Ephesians would be a good Bible study. So I think maybe you'll do something like that. But anyway, so Ephesians 1, and this is Paul, and I just love this. I mean, it just spoke to me, and I'm reading this out of passion. It says, my name is Paul, and I was chosen by God to be an apostle of Jesus, the Messiah. I'm writing this letter to all the devoted believers who have been holy by being one with Jesus, the anointed one. May God himself, the Heavenly Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, release grace over you and impart total well-being into your lives. Every spiritual blessing in the heavenly realm has already been lavished upon us as a love gift from our wonderful Heavenly Father, the Father of our Lord Jesus, all because he sees us wrapped into Christ. This is why we celebrate him with all of our hearts. And in love, he chose us before he laid down the foundation of the universe. Because of his great love, he ordained us so that we would be seen as holy in his eyes with an unstained innocence. For it was always in his perfect plan to adopt us as his delightful children. Through our union with Jesus, the anointed one, so that his tremendous love that cascades over us would glorify his grace, for the same love he has for the beloved Jesus, he has for us. And his unfolding plan brings him great 
pleasure. Since we are now joined to Christ, we have been given the treasures of redemption by the blood, the total cancellation of all of our sins, all because of the cascading riches of his grace. This superabundant grace is already powerfully working in us, releasing all forms of wisdom and practical understanding. And through the revelation of the anointed one, he unveiled his secret desires to us, the hidden mystery of his long-range plan, which he delighted to implement from the very beginning of time. And because of God's unfailing purpose, this detailed plan will reign supreme through every period of time until the fulfillment of all the ages finally reaches its climax when God makes all things new. In all of heaven and through earth, through Jesus Christ, through our union with him, we too have been claimed by God as his own inheritance. Before we were even born, he gave us our destiny that we would fulfill the plan of God who always accomplishes every purpose and plan in his heart. God's purpose was that the Jews who were first to long for the messianic hope would be the first to believe in the anointed one and bring great praise and glory to God. And because of him, when you who were not Jews heard the revelation of truth, you believed in the wonderful news of salvation. Now we have been stamped with the seal of the promised Holy Spirit. He has given us like an engagement ring as the first installment of what's coming. He is our hope, promise of a future inheritance which seals us until we have all of redemption, redemption promises and experiences complete freedom, all for the supreme glory, of, glory and the honor of God. Because of this, since I first heard about your strong faith in the Lord Jesus Christ and your tender love towards all of his devoted ones, my heart is always full and overflowing with thanks to God for you as I constantly remember you in my prayers. I pray the Father of glory, the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, would impart to you the riches of the spirit of wisdom and the spirit of revelation to know him through your deepening intimacy with him. I pray that the light of God will illuminate your eyes of your imagination, flooding you with light until you experience the full revelation of the hope of his calling, that is, the wealth of God's glorious inheritances that he finds in us, his holy ones. I pray that you will continually experience the immeasurable greatness of God's power made available to you through faith. Then your lives will be an advertisement of this immense power as it works through you. This is the mighty power that was released when God raised Christ from the dead and exalted him to a place of the highest honor and supreme authority in the heavenly realm. And now he is exalted as first above every ruler, authority, government, and realm of power in existence. He is gloriously enthroned over every name that is ever praised, not only in this age, but in the age that is coming. And he alone is the leader and source of everything needed in the church. God has put everything beneath the authority of Jesus Christ and has given him the highest rank above all others. And now we, his church, are his body on earth and that which fills him who is being filled by it. I love that. 
When I read that, I'm like, that's, that's our prayer to one another. This is the prayer to the body of Christ. This other scripture says, Now faith brings our hopes into reality, and it becomes the foundation needed to acquire the things we long for. It is all the evidence required to prove that what is still unseen, this testimony of faith, is what uh, previous generations were commended for. Faith empowers us to see that the universe was created and beautifully coordinated by the power of God's words. He spoke in the invisible realm, gave birth to all that is seen. Faith moved Abel to choose a more acceptable sacrifice to God than his brother Cain's offer. And God declared him righteous because of his offering of faith. By his faith, Abel still speaks instruction to us today, even though he is long dead. Faith translated translated Enoch from this life, and he was taken up into heaven. He never had to experience death. He just disappeared from this world because God promoted him. For before he was translated to the heavenly realm of his life, it had become a pleasure to God. And without faith living within us, it would be impossible to please God. For we come to God in faith, knowing that he is real, that he rewards the faith of those who passionately seek him. I love those two scriptures. And that's, it's just God, he, he wants us. He wants, I want to be able to please God. I want to have that faith. That's what the disciples, they were walking upon this earth doing great miracles in Jesus' name. And that's the faith that's already in us. We have it. And we always keep talking about, well, you know, it happens everywhere else. And, you know, we've been praying for miracles. and It's in us. It's in us. And so we need to passionately seek him, have that relationship with him. When we know God, like Jesus, when we know him, we know what he's capable of doing in us because we know him. We know he deposited this in us. We know that the spirit is alive within us. We have to activate what's already in us, but we can't let the enemy and the things of this world cause that doubt and unbelief to come in and to say that you're nothing. You're less than. Just like the disciples, let's just go away. No, I'm going to be persistent in who God has told me I am. I am a child of the daughter of the Most High King. I have an inheritance. He's given me these gifts of healing. He's given and deposited this within me. I don't want to just be a bank and have everything deposited and not willing to give it out. That's not his purpose. His purpose said to go out and tell others, compel them to come in. And so that's our hearts. That's our desire as women within the body of Christ. So I want to encourage you today just to, to get alone with him and say, Okay, God, if this, whatever's going wrong with you physically, whether it's in your marriage, your, your kids, your family, anything that's going on, say, God, I want to diligently seek you. And I want to know, I want to see you in this situation. I want the faith to know that in your timing, in everything that you do, 
your plan will be fulfilled because it's his will that's going to be fulfilled. Sometimes we keep saying, well, it needs to happen this way. Don't do that. It's not going to work. <laughs> you know, it's going to be his plan. It's going to be his way. We just have to sit back as she said. We've got to trust. We have to have the peace of God. And if we don't have the peace of God, then we're not trusting him. And so I pray, God, give me the peace of God. Because we need the peace of God in this world. Because the world doesn't have it. You can just turn on the news, and that's why we don't watch the news. But I know there's a lot of things going on in the world. But you know what? This is why I live in a place of peace. Because I don't, I don't really care. I mean, I, I'm not saying that we shouldn't pray about things that's going on. But, but what happens is it steals my joy. So I'm going to shut the things off that's going to cause me to doubt, be worry, you know, and all this other stuff. So you have to, to know what you need to do. And so if this stuff brings doubt and worry and takes your peace, then shut it off. If it's people, shut them down. I'm telling you. Everybody's like, well, you know, sh why don't you tell me whether or not I should be with these people? Hey, if it's affecting you, shut it down. I did that on Facebook. There's a lot of people I was like, yeah, I shut them down. I, I'm a pastor. I, I should... I should love everybody. I should have a million friends. No, because I really don't need to hear it. <laughs> That's not showing that I don't have love for people, but I can't deal with it. You know, I'll pray for you, but man, the things that you're putting and depositing in me, with me reading your stuff, I don't need that. And so I'm lim I limit. I mean, I think my friends list is like 80. I used to have like 300. I'm like, delete, 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 delete. I don't need to know those people from my childhood. I just, nah, it's okay. You know what? It's Jesus had 12 disciples. That's all I need. Just a few close friends. You can't. And again, a, and a lot of people, you know, would come against me. You know, I would put a scripture out there and I get attacked. Okay, I can spend my whole time debating the word of God. Or I can just delete you. So I'm like, delete. Because <laughs> I'm not, I'm not going to get in that debate. All I want to do is argue. you know. And it's like, you know what? I don't need that in my life. And sometimes you really need to assess who you're hanging out with and who's bringing you down, who's, who the enemy is planting in your life. I'm telling you what, because he's planting people in your life. And you've got to be willing to say, I don't need it. I'll pray for you, but you don't need that person in your life that's constantly bringing you down that's not encouraging you we're, as the word says we're supposed to build one another up in love and if there's no love coming from that person that's what I say so yeah, I just <coughs> another thing that Jenna said that I thought was really important when she was talking about uh, the faith that we operate out of is the faith that God gave. It's not faith that we try right. to muster up. Nope. And I know the scripture that's in, uh, well, it's in all the Gospels. The blind man that went to Jesus, he saw men as trees. Mm -hmm. When he cried out, he didn't say, Oh God, help thou my unbelief. <coughs> he said, God, help thou my doubt, doubt. and unbelief. Mm -hmm. And I think we need to remember that's what we need to be praying It is. Not. God increased my faith because yeah. God revealed mm -hmm. that to me. I right. was doing that. He says, no. Mm -hmm. Why don't you pray that I remove your doubt and unbelief? Yeah. So, yeah. And, and that's the enemy. He, he comes to steal, to kill, and to destroy. 
So whatever, he wants to kill our thinking, our spiritual mindedness. He, want, he wants to put so much in us that we, we're not even going to God first for anything. And that's where, pray about that, because I'll tell you what, God convicted me of that. Because I, would, I wouldn't go to him first about everything. Or I would say, oh man, I got a headache, got to get an aspirin. Did I even pray and ask God to heal me from my headache? No, I just immediately went to the Tylenol. You know, why would I do that? You know, it's like, where's my faith? I believe that more in a pill than I do my prayer, asking God to heal my headache. It becomes so normal for us to, to walk in the flesh. Then it, we need to be more normal in walking in the spirit of God. And so, so just pray because I'm telling you what, he's dealing with me with a lot of things. And like I said, on this faith, he, he wants us to operate in what he's already given us. And so we just, I've been praying, said, so God, activate it in me. And, and again, like she said, we got to pray, God, take, take the doubt and the unbelief because I don't want any part of that. I want to I know that I know you're going to do this in my life. I want to see it. I don't see it in the natural, but I see it in the spirit. And then it's going to manifest itself in the natural. And that's what Barry's sermon was, was manifesting the faith. So, anyway, yeah. I wanted to say something, too, about identity. Our identity in Christ is so important in order to receive from the Lord. Mm -hmm. Because if we don't know who we are in Christ, then we depend on other people mm -hmm. to be our Christ. Yeah. We'll call them on the book. You have faith. You pray for me because you will get the answer for me. And I used to be that person. I used to be that person. And I found out through God's word, just living in his presence, living in the word, taking him at his word, and knowing what he did for me on the cross. He said the same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead dwells inside of me. So that's identity. We have to know that, that he's our identity. He's our source, not other people. Yeah. And I'm not saying you can't depend on someone to help you pray, because sometimes you need that help. Mm -hmm. You need that, that person to encourage you. But if you are depending on that person all the time, mm -hmm. I know what you're saying because because here's here's the thing I heard someone once tell me uh, I may have read this in a book it may have been Barry Bennett but he there was something that was physically attacking his body and he said and where he was mentally and with every medication and everything that they were given to him he said I, I couldn't function to pray for myself he said I had to call the church they had to pray for me because I was not even in a place to do that. And so that's why the body of Christ is, is needed. We're to bear each other's burdens, so fulfill the love. We're supposed to love one another. That's why it says, forsake not the assembly of, of believers together. We, people that are staying home and just kind of, uh, you know, I wish they would realize how important we need one another <clears throat> in the body of Christ. And so, but yeah, it's, it, we do. We need one another. And, um, when we open up God's word 
And we're, we're trying to get a word for us. Sometimes we depend on our devotional thing. The Lord's showing me that. You're trying to get a word from this one, from that one, from this one, and that one. But he said, what about the word for me? I gave the word to them, but you need to ultimately hear for yourself. You need to hear his word. And I've cried that out lately. I said, God, I need to hear from you mm -hmm. on a personal basis. Mm -hmm. Not what everybody else around me is saying, but what are you saying to me? What are you seeing on the inside of me? Show me what you want in my life. Show me where you want me to be and who you want me to be. Not who somebody else thinks I'm supposed to be, but who do you want me to be? And then walk in that and walk in peace that you know that you know that you know who you are in Christ. That's your identity. Yeah, and part of that identity too is so many times people say, well, I know who I am, but God doesn't speak to me like they do other people. Right. So, so once again, we, we discount. <laughs> We discount how God works through us. And we have to have the confidence in him that he speaks to us. They're like, well, he, I've never heard an audible voice. or I, you know, Some people, God works through a song. Sometimes it's scripture. Sometimes it is preaching. <clears throat> sometimes it's that devotion. Sometimes it's a song on the radio. Um, sometimes it's just when you're leaving church and you're on your way home, you're having communion with him. He's a, he, but he always wants to deposit things within us. But we have to get to the place where we have the confidence that we are hearing from God. Because sometimes we're like, well, he doesn't do that to me. He does that to you. Well, why can't he do that to you? Because you've already discounted yourself that he won't work through you like that. So see, that's part of that faith. Thinking, well, I don't have, I don't have the faith to believe that he'll speak to me or dreams. He doesn't do that to me. Maybe God's saying, I want to give you dreams, but you just got so much doubt and unbelief in you. I can't, you know, I, I can't do this, but I want to. So we, we discount so much how God wants to work in us, or we think that he needs to do X, Y, Z. No. God, you can do anything. I mean, things that we don't even think, he will operate, you know. Kind of like the, uh, the story about the, the paraplegic and the friends cut the hole in the roof. They didn't even think about pushing through the door. They're like, let's cut a hole in the roof. Let's damage some property. Let's vandalize some property to, to get this man down. So we need to think out of the box. So many times we've got a box saying, okay, here's, our, here's my checklist, God. This is how you need to operate within me. He's like, I ain't even going to operate like that out of your list. Well, and another thing <laughs> you always are big on is seasons. Yes. There have been seasons where I've been in the Word, and yes. it's just like I just well, can't take enough mm -hmm. of it. And then there's times when I know that God's speaking to me, and He'll say, "I want that confirmed out of the mouth mm -hmm. of two or three witnesses." Right. So there, you can't just you know mm -hmm. just be all alone. Right. So there's so many variations of ways. Mm -hmm. And I can remember when I was teaching the Bible studies, and I was gleaning as much as I could from mm -hmm. Elijah list. Yeah. I heard the Lord say, "No more." Yeah. And then I had to hear from him for a season. Mm -hmm. But seasons are it is. so, so 
And I always say, when, when you go through one season, I always say, okay, God, what are you teaching me? Because it's like, you have to, because he's, he's teaching us every day. We're growing and maturing and Lord, that, that's how we mature in him. So it's like, okay, God, what are you teaching me here? What are you teaching me today? What are you teaching me this week? And most of the time, when you're asking that, he's going to show it to you. <laughs> you may not like what you want to hear, but, you know, but don't, don't ask then. And, and be ready to change when he tells you, you know. Sometimes God just says, you know what, you said this wrong and you shouldn't have. And you're like, oh, yeah, you're right, I did. Thanks for bringing that to my remembrance. But Most of the time he's after you. He is. He is. And so, you know, just have that confidence. And, and just, just begin to say, God, activate. Activate what Jesus did on the cross. Activate that because I know it's in me. That's your purpose. That's your plan for my life is to be this mouthpiece and to be this vessel that being honored and used by you. And so he'll do it. He'll do it. So I don't know if you want to pray. Yeah, go ahead. Um, there's a book called Healed of Cancer mm. by Dodie Osteen. And in the book, you guys are familiar with Dodie Osteen. She married John Osteen. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, in her book, when she was struggling with cancer, and she was believing God for her healing, and she is healed today. She's still alive and well and doing mm-hmm. quite well. But she makes two really good points that I, I've always clung to. Number one, in the, in the end, it's you and God. Mm-hmm. No matter what, it's you and God. You have to have that confidence mm-hmm. that he is your everything. Yes. You need him, mm-hmm. and he is your everything. And the second thing was, she makes a point in her, in this book, which is like a, a biography, she says, an autobiography, excuse me, she says, I needed my church. I couldn't even walk up the steps to the platform mm-hmm. during this season in my life, believing for healing. Mm-hmm. And they were there to help me. Yeah. And they would pray for me. There mm-hmm. was constant prayer all yes. over the world going on for her. Mm-hmm. She wasn't afraid to ask for prayer right. yeah. because she knew the effectual prayers of righteous men mm-hmm. availeth much, and that's plural. Yeah. It's not just about. Yeah. So I just that book is just amazing the way she humbles herself enough mm-hmm. to say, I needed people to pray yeah. for me. Yeah. And it just showed that such a humble spirit in her. And she's a wife and well too. Yeah. And I think so many times too we feel like if we can't ask, then that's a reflection upon us like saying, Oh, where's your faith? Because so many people, you know, people will say, oh, well, if you only had the faith to, God would have healed you. If only you would have had enough faith to believe. Okay, we got to quit saying that to people. <laughs> we really do. But because they, again, we don't know where that person is at, but that's why the body of Christ is important. Because our prayers can, can build upon that. And so, but yeah, don't, don't sit here and say, well, if you would have had enough faith, you wouldn't have died. Please don't do that. We're supposed to love, not judge someone for their lack of faith. You know, we don't know where they're at. And so, yeah, we just need to love one another and be there to support one another. And uh, that's true. And, and, and here's the thing, you know, we think, oh, well, we're pastors. I can't put on Facebook. I need prayer because that means I'm not praying and believing for my own healing. So I have to ask other people. See how the enemy just comes in? Yeah. But we need one another.
because you know I need my faith to line up with everybody else's faith. Because man, when that lines up, whew, yeah. But what God can do, you know, God can do. He can move masses. I mean, look what He did in the upper room. They were all in unity together, and then they went out and like berries. They were added to the church daily. There was such unity there. And so, yes, we need the body of Christ.